This, this, this is you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. Okay, I want to run by you a couple of recent news items. The Texas Fatherhood Summit at UT Austin focused on policies and programs that support fathers, and so by extension, the whole family and community. Sexual assault charges against former Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein expanded to include a third woman. The common thread through these seemingly unrelated topics the concept of what it means to be male, not biologically, but behaviorally, attitudinally, philosophically, if you will. Austin area certified life and relationship coaches Janice and Rock Rockman believe the idea of what it means to be male is in a state of flux right now and is ripe for redefinition. You asked that question 20 years ago. It's a different conversation, right? And, you know, there was a time when it was, you know, you had to be tough, you had to be strong, you don't cry, you you don't show emotion. But I think a lot of that narrative is changing. And I think we're coming into a society now where the male role has changed significantly. There was a time when, you know, a man was the breadwinner, he was going out working and the woman was at home, she was the homemaker. But now you have men who are, uh, you know, stay at home dads now, you know, who where the wife is out and she's the breadwinner. So that conversation is really changing. And I think it's an ongoing uh, discussion in terms of what that really means, because you know, I could give my definition, but then there's a completely different definition uh, for someone else that may be looking at this as well, right? Yeah, I think there's so much truth to that. I think that the the role of masculinity and the role of the male identity is evolving with the with our culture's evolution as well. Yeah. And more than actually changing or completely redefining it, I think that what we're beginning to at least consider is expanding what masculinity yes, means. That's good. Expansion I think that's great. Of it. So not Great having, example. thank you. So not having such a narrow definition and such a limited idea. And something I think about really often that's really interesting to me is this archetype or stereotype that we have in our culture around the angry male. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You know, it's yes. like the angry this male, the angry that male, the angry white male, the angry black male. All, you know, we hear this stuff in media thrown around, angry men, anger issues. But what I really think from a solution focused standpoint, is to at least invite the conversation around anger and what does anger really mean. And from my perspective, anger is typically a secondary emotion. Usually what's behind anger is sadness or grief or a sense of loss of power. So if we can change that conversation a little bit, we might see less angry men. (laughs) What to me follows from that is if part of the definition of what it means to be male And even if that is changing, sort of what I think traditionally people think of as part of that definition has been to not show emotion and not necessarily not to have the emotion, but if you have it to to keep it bottled up inside. So it seems like that stereotypical description of an angry man would Mm -hmm. follow from a model that says it is not acceptable for men to show emotion. If you have them, (laughs) do not show them. Sweep them under a rug. Yeah, Yeah. and and there's a a martial arts school in Detroit, Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, the Cave of Adulam. I really love what they're doing with young men right now because there's this video, it went viral about the instructor there and there's a young man who's trying to break a board and he's hitting that board and it's hurting his fist and he's, you know, and he's resisting, you know, and the instructor says, Hey, why are you resisting? He said, well, it hurts. And he's teaching them, well, things in life are going to hurt. The young man begins to cry and he says, crying is okay. We all cry. 
as men, but you have to be able to push through that pain, right? I felt like that was such a definitive moment in that young man's life. And I think so many young men need that. And I think part of this whole discussion is, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, the model, what male role models are, do these young men have? Mm. And then how are they growing up? Because, you know, a lot of you hear this whole statement, kids don't necessarily do what you say, they do what you do. Yeah. Right. So if you're not showing emotion, if you're not being vulnerable, my daughter has seen me cry before. And it's like, hey, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Right. And so kind of going back to the instructor, teaching that young man that it's okay for you to show your emotion, but then carrying that on and teaching him that it's okay for you to push through Mm -hmm. that emotion as well uh, to break through to what you need to do, I think is powerful. That's so true having the model. But what I'm hearing you also say is like having um, multi multi dimensional men is what we're calling for that there we can have multi dimensions within what we're feeling. And we can give our men and our boys permission to experience a range of emotions. And I, I like to think of uh, emotions as energy emotion. So they're not necessarily bad or good, but they're telling us something. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. do we do with them? Yeah. So on the one hand, there's the idea of through role models and through teaching to say to young men, it's okay to have and show your emotions. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. But as part of an evolving idea of male identity, don't we also need to teach all of society that it's okay for <laughs> men to do that? Because it seems like it's one thing to teach men to to feel comfortable showing that. But if they're, if that demonstration is not received yes. with caring and right. support and love they're not going to try again right I love it. Yeah. so no, true i agree it's I agree. like a call for empathy yeah. and a call for understanding culturally right and you normally have uh what i call a cycle of three generations right um with with anything that a person deals with whether it be an addiction or whether it be just a certain type of behavior or whatever the case may be it normally has this three generation mm-hmm. span And I think we're in a season now in life where we're at that third generation where things are going to begin to shift. Right. Because I think there was a time when there was this huge um, debate and question of men being present in the home. Right. Um, Even in even in certain cultures and certain societies, uh, the male was totally removed, not even involved in the children's life. Uh, I think some of that is changing now. I think men are taking responsibility. I think, you know, the stigma of, you know, just going out and being, uh, you haven't heard this term in a long time, but deadbeat dad, (laughs) right? That was a big term back in the day, but you don't hear that as much anymore, right? I think men are stepping up and taking care of their responsibility. So then what happens there? Now the young man in the home has that male role model in his life. And then you also have organizations like big brother, big sister that I used to volunteer for. Um, these type of organizations give you that male role model Mm -hmm. that you need, where I think it it can begin to change the dynamic and the behaviors of young men. So then as they come of age, right, as you spoke of, you know, you get to a certain age, you learn that certain things aren't okay. But I think now, I think we can go into a generation now where young men can see it's okay for you to be all that a man is supposed to be, which includes showing emotions, being caring, being nurturing. Yeah. I think that's changed. Providing providing structure, providing leadership, but also being able to say, I don't know. Right. Like, it's okay yeah. to be like, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. And and, and so the way that we're socializing um, young men in our 
in our academia and within our neighborhoods and our communities is important. And when we think about the role of like male violence and what's happening in, in particular in our education system, I think that we can at least begin to consider that there might be a reduction in some of this emoting or acting out. It's almost like the soda can effect. If you keep something bottled up for too long, once you finally allow that person to express themselves, it's going to kind of have this huge eruption. So we can have less eruptions if we allow, you know, we think about the, 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 the school violence, we think about Me Too, and we think about Time's Up, and all this stuff that's happening around male identity. Yeah. But I think if we can provide some integration, like you're saying, where there's some emotional intelligence and social intelligence and multicultural intelligence <laughs> so that we can support our young men in their evolution, our process, it may at least begin to expand the conversation. Yeah, I wanted to ask specifically about Me Too movement and the mm-hmm. Time's Up movement because you're talking about um, a scenario where the belief is that male identity is changing and perhaps expanding somewhat, but we do have these really vivid and clear examples of, of kind of the, the worst or some of the worst of stereotypical mm-hmm. male behavior, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you Absolutely. know, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, this me too movement has taken place. Uh, the time's up movement. I'm really, really glad about that because Women have been silenced for so long. It was always like you just did not believe, um, you know, if, if someone was assaulted, it was just like this silent voice. You couldn't speak up. No one would believe you, you know, and certain people have so much power like, oh, that person, they there's no way they would ever mm-hmm. do anything like that. And so I think now it's giving a woman a voice. Uh, but even more so than that, what really what what I'm what I'm really glad about, if you can be glad in in this type of situation, is I think going forward, it's gonna make a lot of men think twice about making a decision to to um, take advantage of a woman. Right? Now I ha- I want to hop in and ask. So what is making? What do you think would make them think twice about the behavior? Are they going to understand that the behavior is bad or are they thinking twice because, <laughs> uh-oh, all these people are getting caught and it's shining a light on it? Because I think those are different things. Yeah. Or do they think it's bad because, oh, I'm going to get in you trouble? Right. Or do they think it's bad because actually understanding what's wrong <laughs> I, with that? I behavior. would almost say D, all of the above. And it's going to be yes. different things to different men. Because yes. I've heard some men say, you know what? I made passes at women in my workplace and I didn't see them as passes. I thought I was having fun and and they feel so ashamed that they want to get help around it and they want to change it. And there's some that are like, I'm going to stop doing that because I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get caught. There's not really anything inherently (laughs) wrong with it in their opinion. Yeah. But they don't want the consequences. So, I mean, I guess there's some behavioral modification that what's sourcing it. Yeah. And and, and I think it's good for you. You you, you hear people so much. Like, for example, my wife and I, we have a daughter. She's really talented. She's written like a hundred songs that, you know, she's recorded and, you know, she. You know, we're like, maybe we're going to send her in the direction of, you know, some sort of talent agency or something like that. But the first thing that a lot of parents who want to take their children into this media world, Hollywood, you know, things like that is like, okay, is my child going to be taken advantage of? What's this? Is my child going to be safe? You know? And to me, Rock, that that full circles back to the entire conversation about how we're educating not just men, but also women in society where we can have candid conversations about. Um, sexuality, we can have candid conversations about what is appropriate and inappropriate and about boundaries yeah. early, yeah. really early. And then also about what, what identity means in power. 
because if there's these subliminal or subversive messages within the the bro community, as we've heard, <laughs> that are like, oh, as many people as you can go after and as many conquests or whatever you want to call that. And that's what your identity is wrapped up in. So, again, it's like changing what it means to be male and what where your where your identity needs get met. And right. if we can start and you've done that a wonderful job with our sons with that, mm-hmm. just kind of changing that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'll give you a quick example. My son, for example, he's been lately doing these tantrums. He just, Oh, he just goes, goes nuts. Son, turn the video game. Off. Oh, and he just, he just goes wild. <laughs> and so I told my son, we're going to start having some consequences when you throw these tantrums. And uh, so one was like, okay, no more video games for the rest of the day. And so he said to me, he said, are you, am I getting consequences because I'm crying so much? And I said, well, son, crying is okay, but tantrums are not. It's okay to cry, but it's not okay to have a tantrum. So he can understand the difference. I don't want him to think that, you know, he's, he's being, uh, losing, a, losing a privilege. <laughs> he's losing a privilege because he's crying. No, right? we have tears well, for like, a reason. <laughs> how would that set him up for the rest of his life? You know, but you know, crying is okay. Tantrums are not. Well, it's and, the same thing. It's like what we, how do we harness our energy? How do yeah. we harness our power? What do we do with it? And giving ourselves permission to feel so we can deal. Yes. But then also having a certain amount of responsibility with what it is that we are feeling and then reaching out for help. So there might be people that are listening. They're like, well, I do struggle with this particular issue or this mm-hmm. insecurity or, you know, this, this behavioral pattern. It's okay to reach out for, for professional help Absolutely. and qualified help to change yeah. those things. Well, and that seems like such a big contradiction to the message that men have gotten in society forever, yeah. which is sort of that buck up, kind of handle it yourself, be a tough guy, yeah. and that reaching out for help is a sign that a man is, and I'm saying this, is weak. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't need the help right. when you know when I say that out loud that sounds ridiculous. It does. Yeah. I know. We we all we all need help at some point. And there's strength in in, life. in, in acknowledging that. It and, is. and it is counter. I agree, Jennifer. It is counter cultural. And I think that a lot of what we the work that we do is, is about kind of living outside of what was the norm because we're not mm-hmm. sure that the norm was working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So. To me, discussing identity is so interesting because as I brought up in a question before, there's the part of identity that resides within the person. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of the identity that resides within how we respond That's to the true. person. And it seems like you can't change just one of those and really yeah. have a noticeable change in what that identity means. So you all have been discussing the evolution of male identity and and sort of we all know what those stereotypes have been over time, but the belief that it's it's starting to change yeah. and expand and be more inclusive. It seems to me that part of the work here is to substitute. So in other words, change the ideas that no, it's not okay to ask for help with it is okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you present alternatives to what men have thought they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. it seems like it's not enough just to say, sure, it's okay to cry. You, <laughs> right. You've got to actively put that in place. So yeah. how does society as a whole, yeah. men, women, everybody. So, and provide mechanisms yeah. for them to do that. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think all of this uh, has to come from just having a discussion, right? I was part of a men, like things like men's groups, right? Mm-hmm. I was part of a, a men's group um, that, and I saw 60-year-old men 
who said who who are almost in tears saying that when I was young, all I wanted to do was sit in my father's lap and my father wouldn't let me sit in his lap. And that really hurt me. And this guy's like 60, mm-hmm. 65 years old. And it, and it changed my dynamic toward my son because my son always wants me to pick him up. <clears throat> and at the time, I, you know, it was kind of annoying, to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't want to always pick you up, you know, like go somewhere. But I keep I, I kept hearing all these stories, all these men who were much older than me, but still had scars from their childhood, from how they felt that they fought their father rejected them or pushed them away or couldn't sit on their lap. And so now as often as I can, I pick my son up every time he throws his arms up, I'm picking him up. And it's interesting. I noticed when I made that shift, his energy toward me totally changed. And he said something to me the other day. He said, dad, there's nothing that you could do that would break my heart away from you. You know, and he did like this, you know, I did a rip. <laughs> he was like, I love you so much, dad, but I can tell that means so much to him. Just picking him up and holding him. It's annoying. It's acceptance. Yeah. It's accepting him yeah. for what he needs. Yeah. Right. He's seeing himself. His identity is informed through your eyes. At exactly. This point, as a five year old. Exactly. And it expands as he grows. <laughs> but I think is, but I learned that from being around other men. Yeah. Right. And so I think this discussion can evolve if we can begin to, you know, guys who are out there who are listening, create some small groups, create some male groups. I had some friends of mine who would, uh, for certain birthdays of young men, they would get a bunch of men from the community to come to their home. And then each man was responsible for speaking something into that do. young man's yeah. life. And they're still doing that to this day. I think things like that, discussions like that will begin to change uh, and, and really open up some things. And, and, what you're, and what you're saying to me, which was so beautifully said just now, speaks to moving from an individualistic society. Right. Where it's not so self-inflated ego, selfie, mm-hmm. selfie, selfie, me, 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 to connecting with other human beings and to. creating community. Mm-hmm. So it's going from individualism to collectivism. And in that way, we can begin to expand the conversation and the identity collectively. Right. And and, yeah. ha- and had I not to, not to just expound on this point so much, but had I not been around other men and learning that, yeah, uh, I would still not even realizing it be rejecting my son because I didn't want to keep pick- it was just too much like oh my god you want me to pick He's you up again like this is too much <laughs> uh but my heart changed towards it because I was around other individuals and I don't know I have no idea what scars that would have caused him I would have never known I wouldn't have tied it to he just wanted to be picked up I wouldn't have tied it to that. But then you see young men go through certain things and you don't tie it to just the smallest thing. He just wants to sit in your lap. It seems to me we can't talk about male identity and the evolution of male identity without talking about media and popular culture. Because you can notice and discuss and facilitate changes relationally and interpersonally Mm -hmm. about it. But if we still see movies, TV, books, whatever, portraying kind of some of that stereotypical stuff, it seems to me everything's got to shift or it's going to be hard to shift it societally if what people see on the screen or even in our leaders reflects Mm -hmm. 
that behavior. It's so true. It's like not just the parts, but the whole to affect right. to infect the entire to the entire piece. And and I really do think that that's where education is coming into to where behavioral health education is is very paramount. I think that we're going to see that in this next several decades mm-hmm. uh, in the in the political arena and the in the entertainment arena and the academic arena and the religious arena. I think we really have to be okay with re-educating ourselves and be okay with saying, well, maybe this worked for three hundred years, mm-hmm. kinda. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe it's time for a shift. Yeah. And that's that's sort of like the, um, you know, if there's a crack at the top of a building from an architectural standpoint, you don't go to the 50th floor to address it. You start at the foundation. Right. So I do think that there has to be a little bit of an overhaul. Yeah. I, I love this story. I, I like to read a lot. And there's a story called The Star Thrower. And there's a kid who's walking on the beach. And there's thousands, <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of starfish that have been swept up on the beach. And there's a young kid. And he's just... Throwing, throwing these starfish back into the ocean. He picks up one and he throws it back. And um, because if they stay washed up on the beach, they'll dry out and they'll die. And so the guy, there's a guy, he's jogging and he comes by this kid. They say, what are you doing, kid? You know, he said, oh, I'm trying to save these starfish. You know, he's like, well, you're not going to make that much of a difference. I mean, they're hundreds and thousands. You're not going to get to all these guys. And so the kid leans down. He picks up one of the starfish. He chucks it in the water and he said, I made a difference to that one. And so we're not going to be able to say we're not going to be able to change all of society. But a young man that is in your life, you can make a difference to that one. Right. And that's really where it all starts. Like Janice said, the foundation Let's try to make a difference to at least one. Sign up for, you know, big brothers, big sisters and be a big brother. Yeah. And you for know? those of us supporting cast members in the lives of men <laughs> that may have sons or brothers or, yeah. or husbands or fathers, I think really encouraging them and giving them permission to be themselves, give them permission to be mm. authentic, yeah. giving them permission to ha- to be multidimensional and supporting that. And then also being very clear about who we are and what they should expect from us as women and as other people in society. So we've got some work to do, yeah. but I think maybe we'll get there one star at a time. Uh, one star at a time. <laughs> one star at a time. <laughs> Janice and Rock Rockman are Austin area certified life and relationship coaches. And we thank you so much for your time and discussion today. Thank you. you. This was great.